You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 349. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we discuss the season two and series finale of the YouTube science fiction series, Impulse. And I was relieved to hear Fred say that he was pretty okay with the ending of uh, the series, even though they didn't necessarily, you know, know that it was going to be the series finale. But, you know, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Just uh, early on, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I I really like this episode, uh, probably more than any other episode of this show. I thought how they ended it, and again, we'll elaborate on this, but I thought it, as a as a series finale, it, it kind of works, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, you had mentioned it better not be as bad as the uh, Sarah Connor final. <laughs> it, <laughs> and it no, was. It, yeah, not even close. It was not even close. And certainly there have been other shows that have had pretty sketchy finales through through no fault of their own but but again we've done this for a while now and i I guess the showrunner can approach it one of a couple ways either just go for it and dare them to cancel my show and and piss off all the fans or give something that's functional either way so i I don't know there's a right answer but you know certainly uh worked out here i think Oh, yeah, I think so. All right. Well, listen, before we get too far, Fred mentions in his feedback, which you guys will hear in a little while, about the uh, Patreon supporters that we have and, and what we do for our supporters. And, you know, he, he certainly mentioned that one of the things we do is we'll cover a, an episode of, you know, whatever genre show that you choose. So that's something to look forward to down the road. And, you know, if you're interested in becoming a supporter of the podcast, you can go to the website sci-fi tv rewatch.podbean.com and there's a link over to the right for patreon or just go to patreon.com slash sci-fi tv rewatch now last week you told everybody what we were going to do next and that is the norwegian fantasy i guess supernatural series on netflix called ragnarok and and i still haven't seen it have you yet no i haven't okay so you know it may not turn out to be supernatural at all so i, I <laughs> well i think it, it really looks like it from you know because i watched like the the trailer on uh netflix so it it looks like there's a pretty significant supernatural but you know yeah there's there's a strong possibility that this could not be in our wheelhouse in the least right and we certainly are not going to beat our heads against the wall if it's not good and and i mentioned that in the facebook group so uh, we are not locked into this if it turns out to be something other than what we all expect. But, you know, we're going into it with an open mind, so we shall see. The one thing I- I've noticed, and I don't know how many reviews you read online, and, and you know, I'm like you now. I don't listen to any TV podcasts. I'm generally in the, the history category. But reviews seem to be all over the place, not only on IMDb, but, you know, on the uh, – online press as well so it's really difficult to get a handle on Hmm. whether a show's good or not without you know and you don't want to read so much that you get spoiled either um yeah like we are really flying blind on this one usually um one or the other of us has at least seen some of the the series that we pick up i don't know if dark had you i guess you already had seen some of dark right i think i'd seen all of season one okay um actually you know what we both had seen it 
because right by the time we decided to podcast on, we both had seen it, I believe. Yeah. But either way, usually one of us at least had gotten eyes on it. And for this one, we just kind of like, hey, this looks good. You haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. You know, and in a way, I'm kind of looking forward to that because also it's tough when one per- one of us has seen it and the other one hasn't. Um, it's tough. You, I mean, I feel like it's not like a bad thing. And I, like, listen, I'm not going to apologize. When Dark Season Three comes out, I'm binging that thing in two days. So, you know, there's like, there's no way around. I can't go week to week with a show that I, I like that much. But in a way, then you're you're kind of hamstrung because you don't want to say things that a will spoil things later on or or b you know you can't like make predictions or anything um because you've already seen it so you know making predictions would be bs so you know we just got to kind of remember what you thought when you first watched it it's not a big deal but it'll be refreshing not to have to deal with that kind of metric there yeah and one or the other of us gnashing their teeth behind the scenes yeah, yeah so <laughs> Um, Though there will, shall no longer be gnashing of teeth with uh, with impulse, because now I am as knowledgeable in it as you are. Yep, yep. All right. Well, in what we're watching this week, uh, I'm still reading the Night Circus. Uh, you know, I mentioned that a couple weeks back. I'm four episodes into my season one rewatch of Westworld, but a show that I've been watching that I'm a little surprised how much I really like it. And it's on a network called Freeform that most people probably have. It's just probably on an area of your cable or or, uh, satellite network that you generally don't go to. But it's a show called Motherland Fort Salem. And Mm. it follows an alternate history in which the Salem witches pledge their allegiance to the United States military and they serve as soldiers in a witch's army. Uh, and the what? St- <laughs> yeah, the story follows three recruits during their training against a backdrop of increasing attacks by this terrorist group called the spree. But one of the cool things, aside from the fact that, you know, we're in contemporary time frame, that we've got this witch's army that it's centered almost exclusively around females episode one i don't think there's even a male in the episode in any uh, way maybe not even somebody in the background now we we do see some males in a later episode but it, it primarily at this point i'm three episodes in is focusing on the women and the witches army it's it's really cool i'm really enjoying it it's on free form you probably have it i don't know if you want to check it out or not but um so you're saying that show would score high in the bechtel test i guess uh yeah i guess it would have to um (laughs) yeah yeah so far anyway what do you got uh so i have actually fred had mentioned this in his feedback so you're gonna get my review a little early is Picard season one, which I watched last week and it was awesome. It was so freaking good. Um, I think probably I'm just sitting there. I'm like this n- next to dark. This might be the best what? sci-fi series I've, I've seen. Yeah. You didn't like it. Well, how, I mean, well, how far I, did you get into it? Uh, I mean, I thought it was okay. <laughs> Did you watch the whole thing? No, I saw the first three, I think. Okay. Um, so I don't know if it gets, it's because it gets better. Um, I mean, but, I, and again, 
this is you're really taking this from someone who loved Star Trek Next Generation. So all the characters there, because you, you see a lot, uh, you know, Data's in the first scene. Uh, he's reunited with other members of the Enterprise from Next Generation cast. So stuff like that, really. But I just, man, I thought it was great. Loved it. Okay. Well, that's good. So did Fred. Yeah. All right. That it? So, um, well, <laughs> maybe under guilty pleasure, uh, I got the first four Rambo movies for Christmas. <laughs> and <laughs> and so I'm like, you know, all right, I hadn't watched them yet. So I mean, I, I had seen one and two back in the day, but it'd been a while. So I've been getting back through it. You know, I was actually, it, it's funny because I think probably the second movie was probably made the most money and really made Rambo into the you know, cultural icon, uh, iconic character <clears throat> that he is, but it's probably the worst movie. Like I was, I mean, I remember when I was 14, I thought that was the best movie in the world. I loved it. But rewatching it now, I'm like, this movie is utterly awful in almost every single way. But then the third and fourth ones, I thought were actually pretty darn good movies. You know, I mean, they're not going to go down in any cinematic history class or anything, but you know, they're pretty, pretty freaking good movies. You know, decent action movies. I thought it was awkward that the the third one <laughs> was a little preachy. I don't know. Have you, you probably have never seen it, right? No, but, I haven't. Yeah, uh, you know, Rambo goes to help the Afghans fight the Russians. You know. And there's all these speeches about the noble Afghan people fighting an invading foreign army. It's just, man, it's it's tough to watch <laughs> in this day. Not that the Afghan people aren't noble. I'm not saying that. It's just like, you know, being obviously very heavy-handed and critical of the Soviet Union. And now the United States is basically in the position that the Soviet Union was at the time. Um, all those highfalutin, grandiose speeches, they have a little bit more of a uh, unintended meaning to them nowadays. But, uh, but yeah, actually, pleasant. I was actually pretty, pretty, I think I'm going to watch the fifth one uh, tonight, maybe. And I'll be done with my Rambo binge. All right. <clears throat> Sounds good. All right. Well, let's get on to Impulse, uh, episode 10, season two, Making Amends. The season two and series finale, as it turns out, written by showrunner Lauren LaFranc, directed by Maggie Kylie, who directed 107 he said she said and you know there's a lot of little mini stories as they try to i don't want to say tie up loose threads because some of them they don't really tie up but they at least address the characters but we'll, we'll go ahead and hold that off for a little while because really and this is one all thread about. they just kind of tie the half knot yeah yeah <laughs> I, really this is henry's journey and I love the opening scene, which is extended. It goes on for like 11 minutes. And one of the key things that Nikolai tells Henry in this exchange is that you're stronger than you think. And we've talked a lot about the relationship these two have and how she pretty much has built up this wall against him, even though he's trying to get across to her that I'm I'm here to help you. I don't want you to turn out the way I did. And now as he's ready to go, you know, she's like, no, I need you. Right. Found this fascinating, you know, a lot of the things in this, in this sequence. Yeah, it was, it was a very, very intense uh, sequence. And 
it's one of these things where you have a the the last episode of a season, and sometimes um, a lot of people, especially like the magicians, for example, where a lot of people have been critical of how kind of how they just had to keep things moving at kind of like breakneck speed because they had to do so much in that one episode. Um, that wasn't that situation here because I don't think they knew that they were getting canceled. But you know, you just feel like this. The 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 conflict between uh, Henry and Nikolai escalates quickly. I guess would be a way of putting it. Yeah, I mean they confront each other about a number of truths, not the smallest of which is that I killed your father quite a long time ago. Which for us, the viewer, it answers a lot of questions that we've been talking about in terms of the scenes with her father and when they actually took place. So, um, you know, when he meets with Fatima, um, beyond calling her expanse lady at this point, I finally looked up the character's name and wrote it down. Okay. Uh, you know, we, we know the Henry he's talking about at that point is is child Henry. Well, I guess we still don't a hundred percent know, what was going on because we, yeah, you're right. We saw exactly. We, they Westworlded us, right? We see all these scenes of, of Fatima and Simon interacting and we assume, and we see like Simon in the woods and everything. And, uh, and, and we assume that this is happening at the same time that Henry's story is happening. Though um, you, you have mentioned on a number of cases, Simon doesn't age throughout his time here and of course you know it would have only been 10 years right exactly only 10 years and moving from like 30 to 40 you're not necessarily going to look really different you know um but it's just like little now we look back we say oh okay um so yeah we got westworlded here but i kind of like how they did that but the only thing is it doesn't a lot of it doesn't make any sense right because henry definitely was seeing her father in her dreams, which we assumed was something he was doing. But now it appears maybe Fatima was behind this the whole time. Well, it's hard to really explain it in, in those terms. I mean, certainly Fatima is in the present because we see that, that final scene in that you know unidentified uh, city. No, it, when, was, it was very much identified. Was it Portugal? No, she's in Barcelona. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was I was trying to read a few. I didn't recognize, and of course that makes perfect sense because Barcelona's been, yeah, okay. Of, of course, course, she said she wanted to go. But I, what I did actually is I I did a screenshot. I Google searched it, and it was it was Barcelona. And you're right. Oh yeah, because that's where she said she wanted to go. Right. Right. So right. That, so that makes yeah that makes perfect sense. But in terms of Henry's dreams. Yeah, I, I guess what we just have to explain it as her memories and her mind and the dream state are, are just so powerful and able to do so many things, many of them weird, that it, I guess it became a, a hodgepodge of, of her hopes, her dreams and, and her memories. And, you know, I, I guess... I'm not ready to make the leap that Fatima has some sort of a supernatural power to, you know, insert herself into Henry's dreams, right? Well, she kind of stopped time in Barcelona. It, it, well, that's again, I'm 
I'm not sure whether or not that was supposed to be real or maybe even a metaphor that that Henry's life as she knows it or has known it has stopped and Fatima's you know reading her into the next phase of her life on the other hand I do like the fact that maybe she can stop time and you know you (laughs) mentioned uh, the magicians and and I'm thinking of course I don't know why we never made the connection between Henry and Penny who who is of course a a teleporter sure Um, but I guess because pretty much this whole season he hasn't been able to so we we forget that that's his his deal right right now the other thing we learn in this sequence is that her father was not a teleporter nikolai calls him an inactive yeah an inactive and we never really get clarity on what that means It, it almost seems as if well he was a teleporter but he is no longer but then i think after you really think things through maybe he was predisposed maybe they were able to do some sort of a genetic test on him that you know you've got the genetic makeup you just can't do it for whatever reason your you know your your powers are inactive but but he also again, says his sign was bitter and because right. of that he wanted to expose like right. nikolai and everything so it's like well like you know it almost seems like being an inactive was something he didn't want that he maybe wished he was a teleporter. I don't, I don't know. It's that's what it seemed to me, but I don't know. Well, yeah, but it, that kind of implies, and I agree with you that somebody had the power to flip a switch and he was bitter because they wouldn't flip it. Oh yeah. Okay. But of course we see Henry and we saw Nikolai's backstory and his first travel experience. And, there was no flipping of a switch it was related to trauma so again obviously that's something that you'd like to think they would have explored in season three but yeah why was he bitter the fact that he was going to reveal the truth about teleporters uh, look again we've seen enough uh movies of this ilk to know that's not going to end well and of mm-hmm. course we know that he's running from nikolai who you know, kills him because he was going to reveal information that right. would prove dangerous to the people that did have that. Power. Yeah, in which this actually comes now. I just thought, well, then, you know, what Henry does to Anna, how is that any different than what it's not. she, you know, condemns Nikolai for, right? Yeah, no, it's not any different at all, right? I mean, I think the only thing we could say is that when nikolai uh, takes her father out of the equation he's much older and much more experienced than henry is right when when she takes anna to the cave above the waterfall but like you said it is the same and then we get that great scene where she feels totally betrayed she lashes out physically verbally um not so much that he killed her father but that she thinks he allowed her to think he was still alive and she goes from hitting him to hugging him uh it's just uh to killing powerful him. scene what's that <laughs> to killing him yeah well right and and then of course the first thing we see is is that the ground begins to 
to crack. Again, we've talked a lot about the last few episodes as she gets more control over her powers. But even before that final scene where she kills him and and adds another body to her list, uh, they teleport to all those familiar locations, which was kind of cool. That was an awesome scene. Yeah, we don't see very many action fight scenes in Impulse, but this was very cool. And does she like crush his shoulder? She does. Yeah, she does something to his shoulder. Yeah. And, you know, then he's struggling to inject himself and she still has no idea about the factor. What do you think when she takes the vial and smashes it? Oh, she knew what she was doing. Okay. Well, so I mean, she, she clearly knows he needs I, I feel that. like she, she, she's seen him do that. And remember, she, I, there, there was, I believe she was withholding it from him before, but she gave it to him. In the previous episode, oh, right, right. I believe so. I mean, she she knew about she knows about factors. She knows obviously what it'll do, and, and obviously she makes the deliberate. You know, so Anna, we can kind of say, all right, she didn't really mean for Anna to die. She she kind of you know left her there, told her she'd come back. Maybe even in some way thought about going back for her, though. Obviously, getting rid of her car would seem to indicate the opposite. But for Nikolai, this is a a very deliberate, you know, murder. Uh, unlike, like we said, with Bill Boone, she didn't really mean to do that. That was a, a kind of spur of the moment, ripped his arm off. Uh, Anna, like we said, we could maybe say that she did at some point intend to go back for it. She just needed time to figure out what to do. But this one is completely 100% purposeful. Right, and we could even maybe add Amos Miller to that list. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amos didn't intend. Right, right. Forgot about Amos. Um, Yeah. But again, we we've talked a little bit about special effects in Impulse, and it's mostly just Henry teleporting from one place to another, or or Nikolai, though we see much more of Henry. But I thought that was pretty cool the way they visually depicted it. It was almost like one of these superhero explosions that we've seen in a Marvel movie. And I'm watching that thinking this is really cool. But then what must Henry think? Because he never really told her about the physical damage of teleporting. And and we know she's got at least one syringe, right? right? Mm-hmm. It looked, when she went to his room and and found the bag with the cash and it looked like she's at least got one i guess we have to assume fatima will fill her in on whatever nikolai hasn't had a chance to tell her and and certainly about the damage that teleporting will do to her body if she doesn't get factor and for all we know elaine has stopped production of factor so you know, Henry's got some decisions to make. We're not going to get to see it, but um, certainly that's something that that we would have to consider, wouldn't you think? Yeah, well, absolutely, and and you're right because she knows, she sees that she sees obviously the the toll. She sees what happens ultimately. What you know, teleporting will do to you when Nikolai dies in his very crazy manner. You know, she she knows that um, now. 
how that informs our future decisions, you know, like I said, we'll never know, but it can't help but be a, a part of what she thinks. You know, every time she jumps, she, she must be thinking, you know, how many more do I have before this starts to take a toll? Right. You know, we often talk about a character's redemptive arc, and I think it's pretty obvious that Nikolai sees Henry as his final hope at redemption for the things he's done. And whether Henry is going to feel similarly once she has time to think about the different people that have crossed her paths that we've just talked about uh, is, is probably going to take place. I don't think Henry is sociopathic. I think she's just gotten caught up in this thing that's just been so overwhelming. She's just made some decisions that she probably would like to have back. But the one decision that I still find a little strange is when she is in Nikolai's motel room and she calls his sister on his phone. It seems to me she knows who she's calling. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, well, why bother? Why give her the chance to let her know where you are? I mean, does she not have an idea of how vast Elaine's network really is? Well, she has to have some idea of it because Nikolai showed her the room. Like, you know, people who can make the exact replica of your room as your prison have a lot of resources at their disposal, you know? Um, so, yeah, that, you're right. That That's, you know, it, it, unless it's just as kind of a, you know, a little act of hubris, you know, like a little bit of boasting or something or I don't know. Well, you know, on the heels of that, extended exchange in the opening scene we've often talked about how for henry it's all about henry and i think there's no way around that of course that happens here she bursts in the room as jenna's telling towns about finding anna's phone in the barn and you know questioning whether or not henry could hurt anna and i i don't know if i found it surprising that towns is defending henry but in retrospect yeah maybe a little bit i mean i like the fact that he still sees himself as her i don't even want to use the word sidekick that seems a bit demeaning but But, you know it's when he explains himself to zoe he does it in this you know i was a sidekick to a superhero but now she's a villain so was I a hench? You know, so he still describes it in these these comic book terms and language instead of getting So, yeah, I think at this time he's still kind of holding on to that image, well, especially his image of Henry as being the good guy. And when he realizes she's not the good guy, he is crushed. And, and also, like, because what he's most upset about seems that just as Henry was upset that Nikolai didn't tell him that his her father was dead, uh, Towns is upset that uh, Henry never told him that Nikolai had killed Sam. And, and you know, it's funny because uh, a show that my wife and I are watching, which is a non-genre show, there's a, there's a character in the show, and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but suffice it to say that my wife and I see this character's arc differently and, and that I'm cutting the character a lot more slack for her actions because I feel as if she's having this emotional meltdown because life has gotten so overwhelming around her. And, 
you know, I, I still feel that way about Henry to a large extent. And while she does have blood on her hands, both literally right, and right, figuratively yeah. in, in this scene, and again, I love the way that that's presented here, I still can't let go of the fact that this is a teenage girl who's had this thrust on her and has had some help but what's her help two other teenagers right and you know for all the good they have done for all the bravery that they've displayed they're still teenagers with limited experiences themselves sure and 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 then we get a struggle between jenna and henry which i thought was pretty cool. oh man i was just i was on the edge of my seat with that i'm just like Oh, she's not going to rip Jenna's arm off now, is she? Oh, come on. <laughs> well, and Jenna, you're a fucking monster, which I think we're coming to Jenna's you know, line of thought. But yeah, like you said, it's probably not a good idea if you want to keep both arms attached. Yeah. And, and then, of course, Towns brings everything to a halt. He literally brings henry to her knees with the limiter device and then that oh my gosh that that powerful scene with with towns i believed in you get out of my room and he and i'm not gonna you know shout now the way he does because it'll (laughs) it'll send the recording sound waves all over the place but uh just that's it he's done with henry or is he you know i mean this is not the first time that that towns has felt let down by henry but the body count is mounting right and and like you said i mean like that's the thing he sees he he feels really more betrayed now than ever before you know like i believed in you and she's she's not the the person that he thought was now i think you're right too is is that you know well, they're they're teenagers and, and probably are more prone to excesses of feeling instead of sitting and saying, "Okay, let's talk about this, Henry," and say, I, "Okay, I know Henry's not a terrible person. What's going on?" But instead, their reaction is very extreme. You're a monster. Get out now. Henry doesn't help herself, obviously, um, with her. You know, her explanation is just that I lost it and he deserved it. He fucking deserved it. Okay, well, that's not a great explanation as to why you killed someone. You know, and uh, and it just gets out. Of, it gets it escalates. Much as it happened with with uh, with Nikolai, right? She, she just goes from zero to one hundred and twenty uh, in the snap of a finger. Now, you know, you mentioned Henry buying herself some time by taking Anna to the cave above the waterfall. And I don't know if you saw David's post in the Facebook group where he noticed the television in the background at the pizza place where Henry works. And it does appear to be that same waterfall and a cave above it. But but the question, well, actually, there are several questions. Number one, she goes to the cave presumably to bring anna back but she's not there now does it appear as if she looks into the cave and are we to believe that there really is no cave beyond maybe a few feet so that anna did not go into the cave 
Wait, wait, run this by me again. Well, in other words, you know, uh, there are two choices for Anna, right? Right. She she can go into the cave. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or jump off the waterfall, and it appeared that Henry kind of started to look back towards the back of the cave and decided against it and i'm wondering is it because the cave just doesn't go very far right well th- so anna's not there okay i gotcha um I, well she she sees something right yeah in the vines yeah and um you know fred said he thought it was now i, I didn't go back and look but it seemed to me what she saw was like a like the the vine was broken or something I don't know if there was a piece of cloth on there. That's what I thought. That there was a piece of cloth there? Yeah, okay. but I wasn't positive. And I did stop it, and it was just hard to tell. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you couldn't really tell. But either way, what she saw convinced her that Anna had tried to climb out and had very likely been unsuccessful. Well, we get that camera shot of the water and the rocks below yeah. that seems to imply that Anna's dead. And... Uh, again, while Henry didn't directly kill her, um, I, I think you know certainly she's responsible for Anna's death. If we uh, if we look at it that way, we get that scene where Henry's sitting in the field with Clay's smashed truck in the background, right? And she's talking to her younger self about how to proceed, and. You know, again, we've seen her talk to her younger self before. In retrospect, is this just an emotional breakdown on her part? I I, I mean, is this a, again, I don't know the correct psychological term to use in in this case. Uh, Dissociation, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's clearly not real. Right. Because you can't talk to your younger self. Right. Now, my wife would say, oh, but teleporting's real? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, but There's I think a we difference, can Mary. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, then she explains that she apologizes for not turning out the way that her younger self had hoped. And again, there are a lot of emotional mini scenes in this episode as Henry is really confronting everything that's happened to her and then the younger self hands her the wooden sword that we've seen so many times symbolically cementing henry's duty to protect her mother and the the scenes with cleo i mean yeah Yeah. you know we've talked a bit about the acting in this series and I, i think sometimes we probably should talk more about what good acting jobs all the characters do. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, Cleo and Thomas, they, they kind of get overlooked because they're the adults, but, but they're both really good for what they are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially, and I mean, like you said, I mean, Maddie Hansen, it was a tour de force in, in this episode. She really had to do a, a, a wide range of emotions often in, within, you know, the space of a single scene, as you mentioned with um, with Nikolai and also with Towns and Jenna, really excellent stuff. But um, you know the the two scenes with Cleo, the one the the really nice 
uh, let's watch you know, a movie in bed together eating Chinese food, and then the huge blow-up argument at the end um, really ex- show us, A, what she knows she's giving up, what she knows she has to give up in order to protect Cleo, which is that comfort and that tether to her mother. Um, and then the other range is, you know, the, 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 the whole rage that can, you know, and that, that just the, just the, the, the whole opposite emotion of the argument, you know? Well, what is so great, I think, about this whole scene is that when you go back and look at it from the beginning and Henry's challenging her about why she never looked for Simon, why am I the one who had to figure it out? And, and, and of course, as you said, the confrontation escalates. Cleo is just hurt so badly by Henry's accusations and of course we're thinking like well yeah Henry kind of has a point should Cleo have made an effort to find Simon and maybe we say yes of of course but I think what Henry's really doing here is setting up a scenario in which Cleo is going to kick her out send her on her way which is what Henry wants and yet she's leaving that thought in Cleo's mind that fine you kicked your daughter out at some point though you need to go look for her and henry wants her to come look for her i, I don't think so you know like really yeah, uh, yeah. because of the danger that yeah maybe exactly henry would okay the, i mean this whole scene obviously henry fabricates the argument in as you said in order to have this blow up with cleo and to antagonize cleo into you know, kicking her out. What she needs to do is she needs to cut that tether, right? Because we even see here when she falls off the the waterfall and she jumps back into their apartment, not her room where you know she used to always end up, but the apartment. So we, like we said, we we know that her, her safe place is not a physical place, but it's the place where her mother is. As long as that is, Cleo's going to be in danger. So Matt, uh, Maddie, <laughs> uh, Henry knows she has to, you know, she has to cut that tether. She has to make the break so final and so um, extreme that she won't ever want to go back there. Okay. And, and I guess we could also look at it, and I think you're exactly right, because... Henry must know that if her mother does begin a search for her, Elaine's not stupid. All right. We don't know where Henry is. Let's see what her mother does. Right. Right. And, and of course I think Henry is certainly smart enough to have figured that much out as well. And, and, uh, and, and again, that conversation she has with her younger self about protecting her mother that, you know, this certainly all makes sense. Uh, I, I did like the brief, teleporting into clay's room and then right back out again Uh, yeah just a mess with him man i love that yeah that was that was so cool and then that final sequence for henry where she's in barcelona now did you notice what she was wearing uh i just it it was some kind of three-quarter t-shirt but no well it was a red a bright red tank top 
And on the one hand, yes, she's been in upstate New York in the winter, and we generally see her all bundled up. So, so it's a totally different look for her, but it, it wasn't so much the tank top that struck me. It was the color, because we've really never seen color associated with Henry other than through her tagging and you know any uh of the paintings that she's done on a wall in her room so i mean is it this symbolic gesture that i'm not gonna hide behind my black leather and you know that that i am gonna try to become this this different person you know i don't know um but you had mentioned a thing about the time stopping along with all the people in the square Mm -hmm. as henry and fatima so what's your thought process about what's going on well my thought is that fatima is professor x basically okay (laughs) yeah i love it she is someone who can get into people's minds basically now and again which leads us to the okay so if simon was this inactive uh how did he know her what did he was his relationship with her. Why was she clearly guiding, you know, Henry towards herself, I guess, with these, if, if she's the person who's been making Henry dream of her father and see her father like that, you know, why has Fatima been doing that? So, uh, but yeah, my, my take, my, my idea, I think, is that somehow she can control people's minds so i don't think she actually stopped time it's probably just a way to visually show how you know she's kind of entering and having this conversation with henry in her, in her mind um in, in an instant i guess well are we going down an x-men route that maybe fatima's not a teleporter but that she just has this gift and that there are other people out there that have gifts as well and yeah yeah i mean that's if if my idea is correct, then, then yeah, it would seem that there's different types of supernatural abilities out there. So, yeah, she's an X-Men. Oh, somebody should start a school. De- definitely. And, and a 20-year and a, uh, uh, cinematic <laughs> franchise. <laughs> exactly. But then she says, Fatima, that is, you have no idea what you've started. And that's one of those lines that, that will haunt us as we, you know, recognize the fact that, that we're never going to really get yeah. that explained. So, yeah, we shall see. Now, we mentioned at the top of the discussion, there are a lot of little mini threads going on. And, and Lucas and Esther Miller and uh, I think Fred mentions in his feedback still the, the, you know, the creepy way that <laughs> I think she touches his face when she... Uh, you know, visits him in yeah, prison. I'm telling you, if, if this is gone season three, there'd definitely be a, a Lucas and Esther hookup episode, no doubt. Right. But, you know, he reveals that he did what he did to protect an angel who's still on Earth. And then I'm not sure why she makes a connection between the angel and Bill's death, but, you know, she does. Why does she go to see Lucas's mother? Because she, just to find Henry? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and and she does find Henry. And, and again, you talk about scenes that just beg to be developed. <laughs> she finds Henry. Henry doesn't know she's back there. Boop, 
teleports away, and then Esther gets down to her knees because, wow, Lucas was right. Yeah. She is an angel. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> they keep throwing that out there, and I think we look at it from a purely scientific within the confines of our science fiction world here but the more they keep throwing the 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 spirituality of what henry can do and presumably other teleporters you know no i'm not ready to go down the the total angel route quite yet but still i think it's a fascinating addendum to everything that's going on well i also think it's a it's a good like metaphor you know like, yeah, sure. Um, you know, even Lucas says angels aren't perfect and everything. So, you know, it, it would have been a pretty decent kind of metaphorical way for her to follow and, and us to ask, you know, is she an angel? Is she a devil? I was actually saw an interview with Maddie Hansen and my my image search for uh, the, the picture that I took uh, turned up this uh, uh, interview that she gave. Where your know, Mary Hansen was just like uh, I, I, again before she knew the the show was canceled, um, saying I'd like to see Henry become a villain. So there's that, you know, that distinct possibility is there. I mean, Henry's definitely Breaking Bad a little bit in this episode, but even in Breaking Bad, I mean, Walter White Heisenberg, you know, we still kind of rooted for him, even as he got like worse and worse right well right because i think at the root of his actions is the desire to protect his family after he dies right so while it goes completely bonkers and so far away from i think what he really should have done you're right we still root for him and and again what would they have done with henry and barcelona and everybody else would they have set up new characters would henry have a new world new companions in barcelona i mean we don't really know that but the scenes with jenna don't really i mean outside of the one we already talked about in in town's room where the blow up with henry you know we get another one of these meetings with the counselors who questions whether jenna's motivated enough and and of course you and i are both rolling our eyes and and shaking our heads implies that something's going on with jenna like you you think it's okay to not be okay i'm thinking like Mm, what could you say that into the microphone my my mom's lawyer wants to hear this one oh my god (laughs) so yeah we don't need to belabor that but that that scene uh, was the absolutely ludicrous scene Completely unnecessary. Yeah, it literally has zero impact on the rest of the episode. Right, and you know we get the scene with her father where you know poor dad he's hoping to have a meal with his daughter after the disastrous dinner the night before, but nope, she's you know leaving him and accuses him of being afraid to take chances and and. You know, poor Thomas, he's just a good man that's been caught up in this whirlwind. Could we say he's kind of like John Adams? John Adams, the second president? or because that's the book he's reading. Uh, Oh, (laughs) I you know, I was going to look at that. It's it's (laughs) David McCullough's John Adams, which is a 
fantastic book. Uh, but you started saying, I'm like, hey, you know what? Because that's totally, I mean, like McCullough, you know, really paints him not as just an average ordinary guy, because clearly John Adams was not, but as just being a guy who was at the center of these incredible events, you know, um, partly because of his talent and everything, but also partly because just of where he was and what he was doing at the time, you know? Yeah. Well, um, did you see the series? Yeah. So good. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's great. And then of course, Jenna goes to see Cleo. Well, actually let me back up because one of the other things we see Jenna makes the first step to acknowledging her sexuality at this point. I mean, we're not going to say, I mean, at age 16 or 17, she's not making necessarily a lifetime decision, but she's, she's made that decision to call Kate, get the, I forget what the girl's name is. uh, Or is the The girl's name's Kate. Oh, she calls the girl's name's Kate. She calls Megan. Exactly. So, you know, we know she's going to explore that further, but then we get, verification of who leaves the note on her dresser mirror it's just simply take care of my mom and you know i i couldn't help but think and and i'm setting you up for this <laughs> has henry been cruel to be kind oh nice one there hamlet um so. cruel to be kind for in the right measure right that's exactly. that's what you're looking for okay yeah, yeah which exactly. ever since the uh the music uh, episode of the magicians i've had that song in my head and that was like two weeks ago right oh my god that what a great episode <laughs> I, think, I think michael gave it 3.5 stars i'm like what the hell yeah dude <laughs> yeah really that was a great episode <laughs> um it, it, we just know that the two of them are going to continue their relationship and we have to believe that they're probably going to patch things up and uh you know cleo and thomas will you know, maybe make a family with Jenna and, you know, maybe we'll see them getting married. Uh, but well, um, before, the before you move on from that real quick, just because that, that yeah. actually works out plot wise, like really, really well, because you can see here if Henry realizes also, if I take myself out of the equation, they can be a happy family, right? right. It's like me, not purposefully, but it's, and, and she can't help it because of what she is that is causing all this drama and trauma in the family. And now that she's removed herself from that, now Jenna will have a chance to have a mom again. Cleo will have a daughter again. Uh, Thomas will have a hot wife who's out of his league again. And everything will be kind of A-OK. The earth will continue spinning on its axis right. the way it did before Henry discovered her power. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Now, you know, we were talking a couple minutes ago, what would season three look like with Henry in Barcelona? And we get a little bit of Towns. Zoe shows up for game night. And, you know, you mentioned the reveal he has with her about how he sees himself and his relationship with Henry. But then he takes Zoe as his partner, not his sidekick. And their first task, find Anna Halche, who could be anywhere in the world. And, you know, we we can just imagine these two sitting in front of a, you know, wall of computer monitors, clacking away at their keyboards. And, and of course, they're not going to find her 
in the present, but you know, will they be able to track her down some way, somehow? Is that going to lead Towns and Zoe to hop on a plane and head to wherever? Yeah. I mean, we, we don't know where the waterfall is. No clue. You know, we know where Barcelona is, but we don't know. So, so still, but, but just leaving that out there, such a, such a great possibility. And then finally, you know, the, the last thing that I want to mention in terms of storylines and, you know, you throw in anything that, that you want to Clay's mom, she just, she knows her son who she really doesn't know. You know right. what I mean? No, no, yeah, she's yeah. been, and, and she's convinced that Henry has been telling the truth about being sexually assaulted by Clay. And of course he's still in denial. Get the fuck out of my room. And mom just says, in the end, you'll have to live with what you've done, which applies to Henry as well. As, as we've said, she's got, you know, four deaths on her hands directly or indirectly. And it, it is something she's going to have to live with. And, and is Fatima going to be the one to help her through? It would seem yeah. that way. Yeah. And, and, and what a great actor to take on that role that we're never going to get to see. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, with clay, especially like, I mean, his mom reveals her own sexual assault and to really try and get clay to see into the, the victims, see, see that experience from outside of, of himself and to see what he's done to the other. Right. But yeah. he still, even after this, after this heartbreaking convent confession that she says, I've never told anyone this before. Now I'm telling you, but yeah, that's how he reacts at the end of it. Right. Which yeah. is like, wow. Like he completely is completely and totally unable to admit to himself what he did a and B to see the harm he's done to Henry. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to bring up that we haven't talked about? Oh, I, I, so I got this really strong vibe of that Cleo is going to die, you know, because they were having that really nice time together and they're, I love you. Or I love you too. And all this. And it's like, oh, this is all the markings of a, I'm going to be dead before this, the episode's over. But they didn't do that, which I, I kind of, uh, liked about that, um, you know, but they, obviously, you know, in some ways she's dead to Henry. Henry's dead to her now. Yeah. I was going to say, I didn't notice it in the way you describe, but as you're explaining it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, you know, just one thing I, I, I very strongly felt that this episode should have been much earlier. I think there were so many, there's so many frustrating <coughs> plot points and so many storylines that went nowhere. And the Hulche story really was a complete and utter, turned out to be almost complete waste. Now the show is at a point where you're like, okay, now they can take it beyond, you know, teenagers whining at each other, whining at their parents all the time while this, there's this kind of, amorphous baddie in the back and then when what does the baddie turn out to be you know like what what was the deal with with elise and her 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 evil scheme 
it, it yeah. went right. zero. It went nowhere. That is atrocious writing there. And I think that's probably part of the problem with this is it, it, just so much of this. And maybe it's because I don't know if there wasn't like unity in the writer's room. I know they have a lot of different writers for each episode. I mean, that's commonplace. For, but, you know, it just seems like there was never like a really solid line of progression for this story. And now they're at a point where the story really seems like it can take off. Now we can get to really what the story is about is now that she has basically um, been able to master her abilities now, and she sees now this, this larger, there's some larger issue out there. Okay. Now we get to see Henry go exploring on her own, whatever. It seems like the, the it's in a great place to really launch into an awesome, you know, chapter but unfortunately, it took them 20 episodes to get to here, and it shouldn't have. Yeah, I, I see your point. And, and, you know, I guess the only thing I would say about Anna at this point is that her dogged personality about finding what happened to Bill Boone is really what leads Henry to get backed into a corner and take her there. But, no, but they, they, you know, they, that again, said, they could have done that. Yes. earlier and yes, they could get Anna, to, uh, Anna Henry to this point earlier and then now really launch this episode it really took him two seasons for Henry to you know master her abilities and to become independent and I think we really right. probably need if, if that had happened earlier who knows would would we be talking about Looking forward to season three at this point because the show finally, it seems like this is where the show meant to be the whole time, you know, but it just took him so long to get here. And in the long run, people did enjoy the long drawn out ride through Henry's teenage years, right? I think. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I guess the one thing that I have to consider if we were going to have a season three is whether Elaine is just going to let this die. I mean, Henry's called her, told her, your brother's dead, and both of them know Henry is the key to the project moving forward. So is Henry going to allow a certain level of hubris to put herself unknowingly in danger? Because Elaine's nobody to be trifled with. So I guess the question is, has Nikolai freed his sister to allow her to go do whatever it is she wants rather than pleasing her father or is she too far into this project to back away? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it just, right. Like, you know, we still talk about this project. It's like this project, like why after 20 episodes do we not really get an idea of, of what this project was and what they're trying to do and how this is such a threat and why just because, Nikolai killed her dad, Elaine, that's it? She doesn't need Henry anymore? Like, how does that protect Henry? Yeah. You know, like, there's just so much of this that it seems like just squandered opportunities, I guess. Like, some really great ideas that just never really went anywhere. And um, and now they won't, you know? Right. And, and I think it's just another cautionary tale for showrunners that even the best of shows rarely get beyond three seasons. So you need to tell your story, get in and get out. 
And again, we're, we're not privy to what they were told back when the show started. So maybe they were assured they'd get a third season and then it was, you know, pulled away at the last minute. I mean, we don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I agree that, that in retrospect, they, they could have moved the timetable. Yeah. Uh, because I'm looking at this because I, I mean, I, you're probably not surprised that I didn't necessarily, I didn't think impulse was like the greatest show. It had its moments for sure. But a lot was just there. There were there were more like clunker episodes in this than in a, a series that I can think of immediately. Right? There's I'm sure there's others, you know. And so I'm like frustrated because I'm like now I'm really excited about where they go in this last episode. But unfortunately, there there won't be any more. So I'm just thinking, God, like this episode is worth like twenty of like a Vita Moors or something like that, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that, that like, so why, why are we spending? And then I started thinking about all these kind of threads that just never panned out. And I'm like, God, there's all these things, you know, cause like, like we said, the first scene we get is, um, is Dominic. And I forget what, um, Keegan, Michael Key's character was called, but, you know, jumping from, you know, from, from the, the, um, subway to another place in this place and everything and we're like oh my god this is so cool but then like there's only like maybe i could count one hand the number of times we got like a cool jumper fight scene and the best one happening in this episode as you said like why 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 is that you know you have a gem here here's the most interesting thing you have as part of your your story but you're going to wait 20 episodes before you really start to explore it it's like, eh. All right. So what's my grade, Mr. Trombel? Um, for this one, I give this episode and I, I, can't, I don't think I can give it an A per se, but definitely A minus, maybe A-ish. Okay. Maybe yeah. sl- it's, it's, there's an A, A minus kind of in there. A, a 90, let's say a 93. Okay. All right. Now, what about the series as a whole? The series as a whole, I would probably give maybe a solid B. Okay. Maybe I'm, if if I'm going to be mean, I would say a B minus C plus. But I'd, I'd say I'd, I'd give it a solid B. There were some really great moments to it, but those are counterbalanced by some really appalling moments. And I, like I said, I'm just frustrated with with um, you know the way it went as a whole. You know where they they had this this storyline that looks like they're about to embark upon looks amazing, but we're never going to get there because they're they're sitting on this and instead giving us twenty episodes of teenagers yelling at each other. All right. Well, why don't we hear what Fred's got to say on this final episode, and then we'll come back and talk about a few of the things he's got to say. Sound like a plan? Sounds good. All right. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Impulse Season 2, Episode 10. The season and series finale. First off, I want to congratulate you on last week's podcast. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch 348. But it is your 400 episode, your 400 podcast episode, according to Podbean, with more than 200,000 downloads. So congratulations on that. Obviously, not all your episodes had numbers. 
and I had the honor to give feedback to 115 of them. Well, this is the 115th, in total more than 15 hours of audio feedback, which includes two episodes where I was a guest, one for my Patreon choice on March the 29th, 2019, and one in October last year when I visited your studio. And talking about Patreon episode 29 of March, that is just a few days ago. So this could result in giving you an idea what to do between the end of Ragnarok and the start of season 3 of Dark. I could collect my next Patreon request episode which could be Hemlock Grove Season 1, Episode 3. But I will think about that. As well as I'm going to think about a new Top 10 list. Or am I mistaking and these bonuses are only once and not once per year? Actually, your Patreon website doesn't say anything about that. You also could consider doing Between Ragnarok and Dark, the first episode, the premiere of Star Trek Picard, since Wayne is now getting his CBS All Access subscription and is going to watch that series. I know, Dave, you're not the biggest fan. And you already did it with Mike on Sci-Fi Fidelity. But I really would like to hear what Wayne thinks of it. Okay, getting into the finale of Impulse. And Dave, you didn't disappoint me. I think it was a kind of okay closure of this series. Not the biggest cliffhanger. Of course, some threads are still open, but I I can live with it. Okay, let's start with a little medical nitpick. When Nikolai shoots Henry's father... And he's laying there on the ground with his eyes open. We see that his pupils are not dilated. Um, Not right. And it's not that this series has no possibilities of good special effects. Especially if we see the very cool disintegration of Nikolai there in that Bucharest church. The second point is actually a question. Henry does go back to the cave after getting an argument with Jenna and Towns and she cannot find uh, Anna and then she sees a piece of cloth or what is that there in the vegetation of the cave. Is this proof that Anna tried to climb out of the cave and tore a piece of her clothes and fell down? Probably it is but it was not that clear. So that's a little bit of a nitpick as well. They could have made that more clear. Esther Miller is not a dummy. When she visits Lucas in the prison, she does conclude that Lucas is protecting an angel and that that angel is alive and came to him. Still, the relationship between her and Lucas is quite weird, especially when she touches his face and says, I care about you, the guy that killed actually her son. Later on, she kneels when she sees Henry disappear. In that sense, it's a pity we didn't get a third season. I really would like to see how Esther Miller would go further with this knowledge about the so-called angel. And one of the things Henry surely isn't is an angel. Actually, she has Amos on her conscience. She killed Bill Boone. She killed Anna. 
and she killed Nikolai. All four indirectly, but nevertheless, she did. And actually, Towns and Jenna see this. They are really terrified by the last visit of Henry. I think they did a nice job with the open end, giving Jenna the note, take care of my mother, and she goes to Cleo. So we all probably have the impression that Cleo will take care of Jenna and will go back to Thomas. I wonder why Henry actually didn't leave her mother, but made it that her mother pushed her away. I found that a very strange turn in her, but thinking it over, I think it probably is better this way, because if she would leave her mother, her mother would look for her. And now her mother pushed her away. She prevents, actually, that her mother is probably going to look for her. Even how difficult this may be for herself, because especially in the previous episode, but also in this episode, just before that she turns, we really see that Henry realizes that her anchor is her mother and that her mother is really loving her. But she's very good in saying nasty things. And as we saw her in the series, she has enough practice. But in this case, I have the impression she didn't mean it. She just said it so that Cleo would push her away. And Clay really proves his assholeness when his mother opens her heart really to him and tells him something very personal. He still is stubborn and, well, you see afterwards that it does affect him. But nevertheless... What courage do you have to lie even in such a setting to your mother? But it probably all is shame and fear, although I doubt shame. I think in his case, it's only fear to be exposed. Okay, I'm looking forward to go on with Ragnarok. I already saw the first episode. Could be an interesting uh, miniseries. I could already say some stuff here, but we'll save that for next time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands, stay safe, stay healthy, and thanks for this choice of impulse, I really liked it. Greet. All right, now Fred mentions our 400th podcast. Now, that's, if you go to the website, the uh, sci-fi tv rewatch.podbean.com, yes, we have published 400 episodes and then if you're saying, well, I thought this was episode 349. Yeah, it is. I mean, we've got our Take 5 publications, which are podcasts, but we don't consider them full-blown episodes. So there's probably like 25 of those. And we've got a couple random bonus episodes. So at the end of the day, it all adds up to 400. So um, now, no surprise, Fred mentions the possibility of having us do the third episode of Hemlock Grove. <laughs> as his uh, Patreon bonus, so he, he's going to let us know about that. And and I am glad that he's good with the way the series ended. And, you know, we talked about that during the uh, course of the discussion. He brings up why Henry forces the issue with her mother and whether or not Cleo will look for Henry. And I think you're right. I, I mean, I was getting the feeling that Henry was doing that and, and putting that thought in her mother's mind to eventually come looking for me. But what, what you said makes much more sense that, yeah. that Henry is pretty much acknowledging, I can't have a relationship with my mother if I want her to live. Yeah. And it's funny because like when she first started, I'm like, 
oh, here we go. They're going to have Henry just lose her shit again and then, you know, like being completely ridiculous and unfair to her mom. And I'm like, oh, wait, she's doing this on purpose. All right, wait. Because earlier, she when she attacked her mom for like basically the same reason earlier, I had a big issue with that because she was, I thought she was being so completely and ludicrously unrealistic. And of course, she still is, but she's doing it on purpose because she's trying to get that. But, I, I, you know, at first I was like, oh, no, not again. I'm like, oh, wait, oh, wait, she's, she's me. She intends to do this. Like, she, she's not just unreal, uh, you know, blowing up um, for no reason at all. She's trying to, you know, force the issue with her mom. Okay. All right. Anything else about Fred's feedback? Um, I think we addressed most of it in the discussion as it is. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I like the he used the word uh, assholeness. <laughs> I think that's. I'm not sure it's an actual word, but let's make that. Let's make that a word. Let's. I'm going to try to work that in my conversation more often here, and I like it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm actually. When you really think about the ending, I think it's it's actually a, a pretty good and and even as a series ender. To, to draw a close, I would say, this chapter of Henry's story, it's obviously not the end of her story, but to, you know, this chapter one of her story, it does tie together. And I do like how they, you know, we see Cleo hugging Jenna. And so there's that promise there that um, those two will be able to form a family. So, you know, they, they did tie things up fairly well. But like you said, there is some ambiguity with Anna's story, whether, you know, we obviously we strongly assume that she's dead, but maybe she did a butching Sundance and, you know, jumped from the waterfall and maybe lived, you know, like you, you don't know. So, um, so that, that possibility is, I'd like to see like a, uh, you know, like some, some South American like bar scene where uh, a fight's, you know, someone someone nudges the mysterious corner or mysterious stranger in the corner who's got like a, a hat pulled down so we don't know the person's identity. And then Anna just kind of tips the hat up and it's her. And then she goes and kicks the crap out of everyone in the room. So that's where I'd go with it. If, if <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I'm okay. I'm actually, I think it works decently well as a, uh, as a, a series ender, though, of course, we wish there was more. All right. Well, listen, before we sign off, I, I just want to throw one thing out there from our what we're watching segment and, and the show that I mentioned. I'm watching Motherland Fort Salem. I forgot to mention uh, the third episode directed by Amanda Tapping. So, Ooh. you know, while uh, well, there you go, I'm sure they paid her well for doing that. I'm sure Amanda Tapping can turn down work that she does not deem worthy. I, I forgot. There's one thing else I want to say about Picard before we go. And since uh, Fred did mention his feedback, I'd feel justified. I didn't know that Michael Shaban was like the showrunner for that. For what? For Picard. Oh, okay. He's, he's like Howard County's favorite son, man, right? Um, I guess. You don't know who Michael Shaban is? I don't. Really? No. Wow. Dave, <laughs> he's a uh, uh, he he's a very uh, famous author, and um, he went to Howard High School. Oh, and uh, yeah, he's yeah he's uh, his book, um, The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, was like a really big hit, uh, probably you know maybe twenty years ago, I guess. But yeah, pretty and and uh, also 
who's uh, uh, Alex Kurtzman from from Fringe. Well, yeah, yeah, was also. And was there another Fringe guy involved in this in Picard? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I, I might have, but known still, you know, like just on the the basis of the 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 writing core they had for that that show, man, that was that was very impressive. So, anyway, all right, you convinced me. I'm going to get CBS All Access. There you go. No, I'm not. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, let's go ahead and leave it there. And and that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Impulse, Dark, anything else going on in genre TV. Encourage you to join the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. Uh, If you want to contact us via email, it's sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Or you can leave a voicemail using the speak pipe tab on the website or record your own clip the way Fred does each week and send it as an attachment. We'll be back next week to discuss the series premiere of the Netflix fantasy series Ragnarok. But until then, now, it's really funny to hear Jenna say these words because in, now that we are doing online schooling and everything, I've seen more and more of these emails like I'll rewrite every essay, I'll retake every test. <laughs>